were you like as a child? Would we be surprised? <laughs> I was awkward and shy, and now all I do is talk and socialize for a living. <laughs> Go figure. And I'm told that our angelic Father John was a hot-tempered troublemaker. <laughs> We evolve, don't we? Thankfully. <laughs> All throughout our lives as our lives unfold. And I often wonder about Jesus' life before the moment that we hear about today in chapter 3 of Luke's Gospel when John baptizes him in the River Jordan. Did Jesus growing up have a lot of friends? Did he run around and play with his friends, or, or was he one of those kids who sort of walks off and thinks things over to themselves? Did his neighbors sense that he was someone special, or was he just another kid in a dusty town? At the beginning of Luke's Gospel, we hear about his birth, and later about how Joseph and Mary take their baby to the temple for a blessing. And there's no question about it that that day they take Jesus as a baby to the temple. Simeon and the prophet Anna, they know something's up. And of course, Joseph and Mary know something is up because they were visited by the shepherds on the night of his birth and Mary before that by the angel Gabriel. And I'm wondering, do they tell Jesus these things, does he know what's been happening? Or do they keep quiet and, and try to let him grow up as much as possible like other children? We will never know. In the second chapter of Luke, we find the only account in any of the four Gospels about Jesus as a young boy, a 12-year-old, who goes missing on a family pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and where do his terribly worried parents find him? In the temple, and we hear he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And then at the end of Luke's chapter 2, we hear these mysterious words, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years, and in divine and human favor. So I wonder what that means, that he increased in divine favor. It sounds like God was watching his progress, and, and yet still we don't know exactly what that progress looked like, what Jesus was up to in those 20 or so years leading up to his appearance on the banks of the River Jordan, ready along with hundreds of others, for baptism by John. But I like to think that just like that day in the temple when he was 12 years old, he spent the intervening years watching the world, trying to figure out how things worked, asking a lot of questions, learning all he could about life, drawing closer day by day to God and sensing a next stage of his life calling as he's drawn this day 
to the riverbank. I don't think at this point he knows that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. I know he must feel something, a powerful gravitational pull perhaps, like, like he did when he lingered in the temple with those teachers. I don't think Jesus knows his life purpose yet until this moment today when he joins those hundreds of others at the river. And now, this was not exactly like baptism that we know in the Christian tradition. In ancient times, baptism was a Jewish ritual aimed at cleansing and purifying, a way of recommitting to the Jewish faith. And I'm told that one offshoot of the Pharisees, a group called the Essenes, used to bathe daily in freezing cold water as a way to recommit. And people joining the faith were purified by baptism, by water. And this is what John was doing in the river, helping people recommit to God. So why would God draw Jesus there? Why would Jesus feel that pull? Why would Jesus need to recommit? Surely no human has ever been more utterly committed. Maybe God takes this chance to announce to Jesus fully their special connection. Maybe this is the moment when Jesus finds out that he is the Son of God. Why do I say that? Because in this passage that you heard Reverend Susan read this morning, when Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. That is a crystal clear message. God claiming Jesus in that moment, God calling Jesus the beloved, dearly loved, cherished, adored, and God saying, with you I am well pleased. These are the best words yet to me. I love it because it's very possible that up until this point in his life, Jesus hasn't done anything particularly special. It could be that he's just been living his life and growing and learning as, as a human. And it could be, I think it, it is, that when God says, with you I am well pleased, the message is that even though Jesus has not done any particular thing yet, he is already pleasing to God. And baptism in this moment seems to activate Jesus into the work that he will do, launching his ministry, his work among us, his awareness of his own identity, his own purpose, with God saying, with you I am well pleased before he's done a thing. 
And I think this clearly means that God's acceptance and love for Jesus depends not on his achievements, but on who he is. And this shows God's deep down, built in, unshakable, foundational love. And gloriously, it's the same for us. Jesus came to help us understand what's been true all along, which is that we are children of God and we are loved in this same unshakable, foundational way by God, that we are actually pleasing to God before we've done a thing, or in spite of what we've done. So baptism for us is many things, including purification and launch and a powerful experience of God's unshakable forgiveness and love. Again, we don't know what Jesus was doing for the first 33 years of his life before this baptism in the River Jordan, before the healings began and the teaching began and the miracles. But I think he was living among us and loving us, gathering information, seeing us struggle with our fears and our anxieties and our insecurities and our powerful craving to be loved, and seeing all the suffering that we bring upon ourselves as we try to feel that, feed that unfillable craving. He would have seen people whose deep down loneliness caused them to lash out and hurt others or hurt themselves. He would have seen all the ways we humans try to control our lives and control the lives of others. And he would have witnessed, heartbreakingly, large-scale cruelty and injustice in his day brought on his people by the Roman occupiers and continuing across the world and down through time the horrible things that we do to one another. Jesus had to know about human life. He had to be seeing for himself and living for himself as a human all that that means, the good and the bad, and his heart had to ache for all the suffering he saw. He must have felt our pain right along with us. And so I love to imagine how that day as he waded into the River Jordan, he brought with him all of that accumulated experience and wisdom about us into the life launched by God in today's story of baptism. In that moment of baptism, for him, a beginning. Wonderfully, God reaches into Jesus' life and in a voice that in this version of the story only Jesus can hear, says, you are my son. With you, 
I am well pleased. And equally wonderfully, God reaches into your life and reaches into my life and says the same. You are my child, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. That's what happens to us in baptism. And, and for Jesus, it was a moment of launch. The acceptance and, God, and love that God offered launched him into his ministry. And, and it's the same for us. God offers us that same forgiveness and love and power. And I tell you, it launches us just the same. Maybe you were a baby when you were baptized and, and you don't remember your moment of launch, of liftoff. <laughs> But the people who loved you, they do. And their hearts swelled that day. And whatever you were taking in, and we never know the mysterious things that are going through babies' minds when they're being baptized, but something's happening. I promise you that. One thing is that on that day you were encoded and filled with God's love and loving purpose, uh, a purpose that's going to unfold for you day by day, ever afterwards. But if you were, I think, lucky enough, like I was and like Reverend Susan was, to experience baptism as a grown person, it's a moment when you realize God loves me like crazy before I've done a thing or despite what I've done. That's just the way it is. Incredibly powerful. And I have a dream that even though we're in the grip of Omicron right now and we don't know what the next few months will hold, my dream is that restrictions lift and by the time Easter Eve rolls around, that beautiful Easter vigil we hold here at St. James, my hope is that if you have yet to experience baptism, you'll choose that night to be baptized, not in a river, but in this world here, this environment where you are so very loved. And if you've already been baptized, you will relive it on that night, that night that reminds you that your life changed. Amen.